This is Transmission, a bilingual digital marketing podcast presented by Alphaco Marketing and Media. Hello, hello, and welcome to Transmission. I'm joined yet again by my esteemed colleague, one of my favorite people on earth, Juan Pablo Osorio. Juan Pablo, how are you? Man, doing very well and uh, very happy to be with you and our audience here today. Excited for today's episode. Yeah, how have you been doing since we last spoke? Our listeners can't hear, but it looks like you got a haircut cleaned up a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, actually, I shaved my head earlier this year and I've just been working it back up. Oh, okay. I got you. So you're in the you're in the look and fly stage of the, the head shave. But I like it short because it requires almost zero maintenance. So I'll probably keep it this way. I wish I could get away with that. I've got a weird shaped head. It's not good under there. The hair is important to my overall face. And I have some conferences coming up. So I make sure I got a haircut over the weekend to make sure I'm professional and presentable. And uh, yeah, I took my son to a swimming camp in Dallas and uh, he stayed in the college dorms. Oh, cool. What college? UNT, University of North Texas in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it the Dallas campus or was it all the way up in Denton? Denton. It was pretty yeah. far, yeah. Um, Denton, it's a, it's a long way from you, man. Uh, that's a beautiful... <laughs> yeah, Dallas is big. Denton's cool. Denton's actually a really fun town. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but Denton is a, a fun little place in North Texas. Yeah, just planting those seeds to my 13-year-old that if he continues to be good in education... Uh, and academics and sports that this can be a future for him so I'm really glad to be able to take him to camp because it was years ago where I really I couldn't afford it couldn't do it I was going to college but now I'm able to provide that for him and I'm excited for him I wish I was going to camp myself man I wish I was back 13 year old stud it, it's it's really fun when when the now is now you know I think so much we're putting things off. There's things we want to do. And like when the now gets to be now, it really is awesome. And and in particular, when you get to share that with your kids, right? I achieved my goals and I achieved my goals for you and with you. You know, I struggled when I was younger. I went to school. I did all of this. And now you get to go up to Denton and go to a swimming course because I did all of this. That's really amazing. Yes, sir. How about you, man? What you been up to? This is kind of a busy time of year for me and my wife. So we got married on May 6th. So our anniversary was May 6th. Then we have a couple of weeks off and it's my birthday on May 27th and then her birthday on June 5th. Now, I will tell you a May 6th, June 5th anniversary birthday combo is just really frustrating in the head because it's 6-5 or 5-6 and then it depends on what part of the world you're in. If you're in the States, the 6-5 is June 5th. If you're somewhere else, the 6-5 is May 6th. And so it, it's all a mess for me. Um, but we had, we had a really nice couple of weekends. We got to eat a bunch of incredible food. I don't really like the term foodie, but I think you could definitely say that about us. We went to something called the Hot Luck Festival, which is a festival with a lot of like famous chefs where you go and try different foods. And so there was a girl who we'd seen on Top Chef there, which was amazing. And then last night we went and had some sushi and we really like sushi. It's something that we don't get to do all the time, but we get to do it a couple of times a year. And we had a really nice experience there for my wife's birthday, which was cool. Otherwise, just staying busy with Alphaco, trying to help people market and find new clients in the marketplace. 
So wanted to get into today's topic a little bit, talk a little bit more about you know why we're here and, and what we do the podcast for. Today, we wanted to do something a little bit different. In the past, we've kind of gone over some topics and tried to have more of a free-flowing conversation. Today, we want to do a little bit more of a, a top five key elements of a good website and really hone in on five things that you can do or your web provider should be doing for you to help you maximize your reach as you build a website and take that first step in your online journey. Or if you're established, just improve what you're doing already. So with that, let's introduce the top five elements of a good website. And Juan Pablo, you've got number one. Tell us what it is. Man, so this is dear to my heart because websites literally changed my life. Once I realized somewhere like 2014 that uh, websites were a big part of businesses, I really got involved, study websites left and right. So yeah. I want to start the first part of a website, which is the first impression that you get. And uh, this is tip number one. When you first land into a website, it's similar to you grabbing the newspaper. We call that the top fold. It's a term that comes from literally from the newspapers because the newspapers folded. That top fold should be so enticing that it makes you want to open the rest of the newspaper or in website terms, it should be so enticing that it makes the user want to go through the rest of the website. Just real quick for clarification for anybody who doesn't know, when you say the top fold of a website, you mean like all that you can see when you first open it, understanding that if you scroll down, there's more to the website. But the top fold is that like first image that fills your screen when you go to a website. Is that right? Exactly, because most people's uh, screens are, you know, like a rectangle, mm -hmm. they're uh, horizontal. So the first fold should have a few things in it that makes people open the rest of the website. Two things that I'm going to give to the audience, it's a strong photo and a strong tagline. Now, the photo should communicate the picture of success. Okay. If a person was to use your product or your service, how would they look like after using the product? They should be happy, fulfilled. If you're a medical practice, family practice, family medicine, it should be like a person with their family and their kids happy because they're healthy. If you're selling a product, it could be a person that the way they feel when they use your product after they put it on or use it, it should really, the photo should show the people, entice them and if you use this product or service, this is how the picture of success would look like. Something I heard you you kind of say a lot of, but haven't said outright is like feeling and emotion. And I get the sense that what you really want to communicate with a good top fold image is the emotion of success or the emotion of comfort. It's not just like, oh, there's Lance Armstrong. It's, oh, there's somebody and that could be me. Is that right? Yes, yes. Like. If you're selling bracelets, you shouldn't have a picture of the bracelets. You should have a, a picture of a person that's wearing the bracelet, but they're at an event and they look put together and they're so happy that they're wearing this bracelet to match the rest of their outfit or whatever your product or services. You should be able to see that as soon as you open the top fold, like you see the newspaper, the picture should translate that picture of success and the tagline, which should go along with it, it should communicate what you're going to get out of this website once you go through it. It should give enough context. It shouldn't be too long. It shouldn't be a paragraph or three sentences. Within a sentence, a sentence and a half max, what type of services or products do you offer to give enough context for the person to keep scrolling? 
just like a newspaper headline will not give you the whole article but just entice you to want to go to a page whatever to read the whole article the tagline should communicate what you do as a service and some type of value that the customer will get that makes sense anything else for for number one for the above the fold making sure that we've nailed that are there any other key elements there that you want to talk about before we move to number two yeah on the lower third of the top fold which is the bottom of the page mm -hmm. you should have like a hint to make people want to scroll down more that's like a little tip that's a little tip Okay, so a little something that kind of communicates, hey, this isn't it, there's more. Yes, yes, and you can see that in a newspaper. When you have the paper folded and it's the front page, you see the big picture, the headlines, and at the bottom, you'll see a hint of something that makes you want to look more. Got it, cool, perfect. Well, I want to go to our, to our number two here, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about, and that is an About Us page. When I say an About Us page, really what I'm talking about, and it can be on your homepage, though I think having a separate page here makes more sense, but it's somewhere that you really communicate who you are as a business, and if you can communicate who you are as like an owner or as an ownership group or as a partnership group, all the better for it as well. What we really want to do with an About Us page is kind of twofold. One, we want to be really personal and personable. We want to communicate what it is about our business and about what we do that is relatable to other people and communicates why, you know, not what service you're looking for. We're not worried so much about the services that you provide or how good you are at providing those services, but why all else being equal, somebody would choose you. And that can be things like, you know, I've been in the community for 20 years. That can be things like location, you know, communicate your location really specifically. If you are in a, a cool part of town, make sure you're saying that. If you're heavily involved in local community activities, make sure you're communicating that as well. You know, what are different things that identify you that other people may identify with as well? And so we always want to think about the end user here. Like, what does an end user want to know? Let's say you're opening a Caribbean restaurant and you're opening a Caribbean restaurant here in Texas. Something that people are probably going to want to know on the About Us page is, are you from the Caribbean? Is this authentic Caribbean food? Or were you born in Tyler, Texas? and just threw some jerk seasoning on it, right? I think that what you really want to communicate is authenticity and, and about who you are. Anything else that you see commonly on About Us pages, Juan Pablo? Yeah, it's a chance for you to bring some human element to your website. Yep. Don't skip out on the About Us. We've seen many people are shy to put personal touch to the About Us, but this is a great chance. And we know through analytics that this is one of the most popular pages across the internet on every website. Everybody goes there second. Yes, people in their customer journey, they go to the About Us and they wanna know that they're engaging with a brand that does have some personal touches. We have a little recipe of questionnaires that we ask our clients and able to develop like a story that we put in the About Us. So this is your chance to get personal with your audience and let them find out a little bit more about you whether you're a family member or you do some hobbies and a little bit about your background. You know, you mentioned a Caribbean restaurant. Maybe you're not Caribbean, but you went to study in the Caribbean for years and now you're bringing that back to Texas. Right. That touch, you know, they tell your story and it allows like, the audience to connect more with you on a human level, even though it's just a website. Absolutely. And one thing I want to add before I'll, I'll hand it back over to you for our number three here is we're not really going to talk about SEO today, but an about us page is one of the best opportunities for including 
keywords that people will search for and ways that people will find you on the internet. You can load so many great terms into your About Us page that are gonna help not only people, but Google identify you and serve your information correctly. So it really is a page that helps your business grow. With that, Juan Pablo, what's our number three? Number three, value preposition. I was talking about the bottom of the top fold. You should have something that entices the customer to keep looking and engaging with the website. For me, the second section, once you scroll down from the home, the, the top fold, the value proposition should be there. And what is the value proposition? This is what your customer is going to get when engaging with your businesses. And the easier way I can transcribe this to the audience is listing your services along with the list of value sentences that they will get by using your services. This is a great chance for you to say, if you're a Caribbean restaurant, to put, oh, we offer catering and we have a, a dining, check out the menu for more, check out the catering, and allows people to click through and go through further into the website. Mm -hmm. If you're a family practice, what type of specific services you offer and maybe a sentence or two showing keep your family healthy, all under one doctor, and then allowing people just a short brief sections, at least three to six, but that they should be clickable and take you to another page that explains each service further. When we're talking about, yeah, when we're talking about the value proposition, what we're really talking about is a term I think any business owner has heard before, but it's the with it, the what's in it for them. You're trying to communicate to your prospects, your potential customers, like, why? Why should I engage with you? What's the value of this service? You know, if you're selling a Coke, you don't sell the Coke bottle. You say this tastes good and it quenches your thirst. That's why you should buy it. Right. So that's what we want to be thinking about when we're talking about value props. Yes. So you know, going from tip one, top fold, engaging photo, nice tagline, you scroll down a little bit, you should be able to see some value propositions along with services for the client that makes it clear for them, okay, I came to this website, I see the picture of success, I know what they do, and now I can go and see specific services that are targeted towards me and are gonna change my life in a positive manner or answer my pain points, answer my questions. Mm -hmm. Well, real fast before I move on, did you have anything you wanted to add about value props or how you really correctly communicate a value proposition at all? I mean, I'll just say that uh, along with the words, you should also have it designed in a way that it's simple and smooth and it shouldn't be paragraphs. It should be short, quick, yeah. brief sentences. I think that's a really good point. We aren't talking a ton, a ton today about like aesthetics or about overall design. Like how do you make it look good? Just because one of the things is it looks good when it looks good, but everything that you do, you wanna make sure that it's aesthetically pleasing and at least somewhat modern. Unfortunately, outdated websites make people think that you're an outdated business. And so you do have to stay on top of current trends from a design standpoint. All of that being said, I think that these, this too, and what you had just mentioned really segues nicely into, I think our fourth point here, and one that I wanted to talk a little bit more about, this is calls to action. So the way I think about a call to action is you've been to a website, you've seen the top fold, you're excited, you read the tagline, you even looked a little bit more at some of the services. If you're super discerning, you went and you checked the About Us page as well, but now you, you know, you're kind of lost. The modern internet user's attention span is about two seconds. So what do we have to do now, now that we've raised awareness, now that we've convinced people that, you know, we are the service they should be using, you need a call to action. 
What is a call to action? A call to action is typically a button or a form, some sort of interactable function on a website that communicates to the user what to do next, right? So sometimes this is click here to learn more. Sometimes it's make an appointment. Sometimes it's give us a call. Whatever the case may be, you need to have calls to action on your website because if somebody is interested and they can't find one, after about two seconds, they'll just leave. So. One of the elements, a key element to a good website is having calls to action, not everywhere, but artfully and, and kind of tastefully displayed throughout the website so that nobody ever scrolls. There's never a, a fold. There's the top fold and then you have a second fold and then like any individual piece of the website without a call to action. The idea here is that it should never be more than one click away to execute on what somebody wants to do. If I wanna buy ice cream, I ought to be able to click and buy some ice cream. If I wanna make an appointment, I ought to be able to really quickly click and make an appointment. Any other bits on, on calls to action, Juan Pablo? Yes, a uh, important tip on calls to action is that they should stand out. So whatever color the call to action is, it should be a singular color that stands out and makes it visually readable to the user, whether they're on their phone or whether they're on their desktop. When they're ready to make that action to contact and engage with your business, it shouldn't blend in with the rest of the website. You can grab a color from your brand guidelines, from your brand colors, or choose a different color. But as long as it stands out and it's easy to click, easy to identify once a user is ready to make that free consultation or purchase or buy or whatever the call to action is, your eyes should be able to see it smoothly and it should stand out on its own. You're 100% right. A good call to action, it's typically a button and it should stand out, but be unobtrusive, right? It shouldn't violate the space. It shouldn't prevent you from being able to read or to learn or to do whatever else you're doing on the website. But the minute you want to find it, your eye should be drawn to it. I think that's a really, really important point. Um, hey, Graham, I yes. would like to say one more tip yeah. uh, that we've learned. On a phone, you can actually set up the website to have a floating bar with a floating call to action. So either at the bottom or the top as you're scrolling and reading, there could be a bar that stays on the phone the whole time that says contact us now. Get your web developer to set up a floating bar. It's unobstructed like you say, like it doesn't get in the way of people engaging and reading. But whenever they are ready, it's always there. Exactly. And I think there are other tips and tricks like that. Like when you have a good website developer, if you are a good website developer, there's a ton of ways to deliver this artfully. What you want to consider is how does it interact with my brand? How does it interact with the rest of my presence? We want to create cohesive holes when we build websites, but we also need our websites to work. And a big part of them working is having calls to action so people know how to how to interact with your site. All right, Juan Pablo, why don't you, you round us out here with our fifth tip of the day? Okay, uh, this, once you have your website set, you have your home, you have your services, you have your about us, one element that you can bring onto your website to really make it sound and strong is at the bottom of the pages have links to blogs. You could have a footer, having a footer is good, but people will engage with articles slash blogs that bring value to them. Depending on your service, you might be like five tips to make your life better. It could be stories about how you engage with the community. Uh, maybe on the Caribbean restaurant example, it could be a, an article showing how you're feeding the people locally or how you gave out jerk turkeys on Thanksgiving. It makes the people not leave the website, but engage with you more if they haven't hit the call to action yet. And you can publish the blogs. You can have just three 
and have them standing there but we really recommend getting in a schedule of publishing blogs on a regular basis and putting them at the bottom of the page Absolutely. And I think we could and probably should, quite frankly, do a whole podcast just about blogs because they drive so much traffic to a website through SEO. They're so important to the the SEO conversation that I do think it's worth having probably a deeper conversation about them. But like, what are some of the real benefits of a, a blog? Is it simply like giving more information to people? Is it like writing the keywords? Like what are the different ways one might use a blog or is there any set way? So there's on the user perspective is you scrolling, you like the website, you go to the bottom and if, if you just come to the bottom, you have nowhere else to go. Sure. So it's a way for them to go to a new page and stay engaging with the website, which increases the user retention. Google likes when people hang out in a website, the longer, the higher ranking that you get. You don't want them to come to like a dead end. This is what you don't want on a website, especially if the customer is not ready to bounce. Right. It gives them more time to engage and make a decision. That's on the user perspective. On the business perspective, it's a huge opportunity for you to start ranking for keywords, to start getting more traffic. We have some blogs that drive tens of thousands of clicks that are more popular than the homepage because people are searching for award-winning Caribbean chef and there's a blog that speaks to that and that actually that blog might drive more traffic to your website than the home page and the url itself absolutely and I, one of the things i love about a blog or about like just ongoing content creation for a website is it's an opportunity for a business owner to share even more you know we've already talked about the about us page I think of a blog as really an extension of that in a lot of ways. It's like, how can I tell even more of my story? How can I communicate more about who I am or what the service I provide is or what the product that I sell is? You know, I think back on like the first or second episode, we talked about the movie Air, right? Obviously you wouldn't fit that whole movie into a blog, but a condensed version of that would be a great example of something Nike might put on their website, how the Air Jordan came to be. And it's a blog on their website. And now when somebody goes and Googles, like, what's the history of the Air Jordan? Instead of going to read it on Wikipedia, they can go and read it on Nike's website directly from Nike. So it really gives you control and the ability to tell more of your own story and also connect with a wider, more diverse group of people than you maybe would have otherwise with just kind of a static business only website, if that makes sense. Yes, uh, we have a, uh, we're going to have a podcast just on blogs coming soon. But, you know, I get emails from brands that I engage with and they'll write a little excerpt and then it says click visit the blog. Yep. And, I, and now I click from my email to the blog. I'm reading the blog and now I'm in their website engaging. And lately I've been getting Burton because I like to snowboard. So I get snowboard emails. I mean Burton emails. And now I'm engaging with how they're impacting the community and how they're inviting more diversity into the sport of snowboarding, how they want to have black and Latino representation. Now I'm like, okay, now I have a different feeling about the brand just by reading a blog that yeah. tells a story about what they're doing in the community. Absolutely. Anything else we want to talk about with blogs before we move on to our Q&A? This is a uh, deeper rabbit hole, but I think we're going to construct a podcast <laughs> that just on blogs. One thing I want to say is a blog can be anything. Really, it is an opportunity for you, a business owner, to tell more of your story through your website online. There's layers to that. There are tips and tricks around it. Absolutely. But if you think of it as a way for you to tell more of your story online, 
it will drive results for you. People are thirsty for that kind of knowledge about the brands that they interact with. Before we get to the, the Q&A, we do have some questions here. I had kind of a surprise. I know we call this the top five elements, but I've got a, a sneaky sixth here. I'll go over this really, really quickly, but the last one is just make sure that you link to your Google My Business profile and to your Contact Us page. Make sure that you have one of those. You know, we talked a little bit about Google My Business last week, so I think we all really understand the importance of a Google My Business profile, but make sure that's on your website. There's a lot of good reasons for this, but one of them is it's a trusted source for reviews, and it's a primary way that people actually come and find you physically. So anywhere you can, whether it's on a contact us page, whether it's simply on the very, very bottom of your homepage, try and put a link to the Google My Business, try and have a map there so that people can get in touch with you. Just a really nice key element to a website. Anything else on like linking your Google My Business to your website, Juan Pablo? Yeah, just if you think of the user going through your website, liking your products and services, and you have a physical store, they're gonna to go to you contact us. When they click on the Google My Business, you make it very easy for them to just have the GPS ready to come visit you. And we have something called user experience in websites. You wanna think about the user experience being seamless and having these links ready for them really helps the customer just, it makes it life easier for them to do business with you. Absolutely. All right, I think it's time to move on to our Q&A here. So we had some questions come in from folks about this topic today. Wanted to address some of those questions as well as hopefully provide some answers here. And hopefully this is helpful as you, you move on with your week and build your first or update your new website. Without further ado, our first question here, what is the best tool to build my website? Juan Pablo, what do you think? Okay, so although I have used many website builders, nine out of 10 pages on the first page results of Google are made in WordPress. So we recommend WordPress, not only because it's very popular and it's the internet's choice, but also because of how integratable and tailor-made it can be the functions that it has are very vast and basically anything, any integration that you need on a website is on WordPress. But yeah, we've built websites on Wix, we've used Squarespace, we've been on Shopify, we love them all. But the best one, it is WordPress and it's the internet's choice. So I know some people are still using Java and HTML and different things and some other more complicated and complex. But really, if you go to Google results and you can look into the code of the top page of results, you'll see that most of them are WordPress. There's a lot of ways to build a website and there's definitely tools that are easier for first time builders. What I would suggest and I think I would counsel is to the degree you're able, use WordPress. We're an analytics driven firm. So we know that if you don't want to have a ceiling to how big you can grow online, a WordPress website is what you need. All right. Next question. How often do I need to update my website? Okay, so the website is not something you just publish and leave alone. There's many reasons to update and maybe even weekly is a good number, maybe twice a week, whether you're making changes and updates to your content or the internet is patching holes on security. WordPress, for example, has a like a update to the program every few weeks. You want to stay up to this because there is facetious people on the internet always finding uh, holes in the backend of websites. Just like your phone, you want to update it for security reasons. Your website, you also want to update both for fresh content or make updates to your current content, but also on the backend, you want to update it for security reasons. 
Absolutely. You know, I would say, generally speaking, like as frequently as possible, the more active you are online, the more active you're going to be and the more the more people are going to find you. When I talk to people, I often use the metaphor of a garden. When you plant a garden, you do you go out, you prepare the soil, you till the soil, you maybe fertilize it, you make sure that the garden's in the right place, that the plants that you put there are going to get enough sun and be the right temperature, etc, etc. But once you've planted the garden, once you're done with that initial stage, what do you do? Do you stop? No, you have to go and you have to water the garden at least once a day. You have to double check it's getting enough sun. If there's a freeze coming, you might need to go cover the plants. You still tend the garden. And I think a website is very similar. Yes, you build a website. You put your information on the website. You make sure people can contact you, that your Google My Business is there. You have an about us. You have calls to action. But then what do you do? You need to tend the website. You need to go and look and make sure that enough people are seeing it, that the terms that you thought were the right terms are in fact working for you, that all of your buttons are still working. Treat your website like kind of a living organism, something that you need to take care of at least twice a week. Yes, sir. Yes. And uh, look out for the trends because every year there's trends that are changing both from a design perspective and from tools. There was a like 2016 Google put a rule that if your website was not mobile optimized, you were not going to be indexed on Google no more. Mm -hmm. Right now, uh, chatbots are a thing. You have like it's, it's a feature that you should have on your website. Also, ADA compliance. So there's every year there's something new. ADA and uh, voice search. Like your website at some point might require to be compatible with the voice search uh, so that people can easily access it. So updating it, content, little things, but also be on the lookout for industry changes that are happening very fast and we do recommend having somebody in your team a webmaster that is able to keep up with these changes or look out for an agency that can help you so that if you're more of a hands-off person at least you have somebody that is on the lookout for these things and keeping up with them so that your website is secure and up to date that kind of takes me to our next question speaking of, of new website elements do i need a chat bot <laughs> but uh you know, I say the chatbot is a similar to a, you walking into the store at the mall and if nobody greets you and nobody talks to you, you might look around, but the engagement might be lower than if somebody greets you. A chatbot is that greeter that's saying, hello, we're here. If you have any questions, can we help you? And the beautiful thing is that today you can put AI enabled chatbot or we can program it where there's already some pre-questions that qualify the customer. But if you don't have a chatbot, you're missing out on that opportunity to greet the customer when they walk into your online store. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like I, people ask me, well, do I need to hire a, you know, an FTE, a full-time employee to sit there and monitor the chatbot? No, you don't. We can either use an AI tool. We can put in pre-filled responses. There's a lot of ways to go about this that don't require a, a human being sitting there typing into a, a chat box all day. One thing that I think is really important to note here is that statistically speaking, the mere presence of a chatbot has shown to increase the amount of time spent on a website as well as customer satisfaction. These two things are really, really powerful for a business. There's a lot of knock-on effects from that, including increased visibility on search. So simply by putting a chatbot there, you may go from the second spot to the first spot on Google. That's really fascinating to me because all you have to do is put in 10 pre-filled responses and put on the chatbot, and now you're actually improving your marketing. That's really incredible.
A quick tip on chatbots is that uh, if you have a Facebook page, they have a feature that is integrated with Facebook Messenger. You put a code into the website and when people engage with that chatbot, with the Facebook chatbot, it actually goes into your messages from Facebook Messenger and is free and easy to integrate. You should at least have that. Yeah, there are there's more powerful tools out there. You can certainly purchase something, but the free Facebook option is great and something that I always recommend to people, in particular anybody bootstrapping a website. Yeah, and uh, everybody has Facebook Messenger, or at least a lot of people have Facebook Messenger. It's an app that's ready and easy to use. And mm -hmm. when people engage with your chatbot, your Messenger app will send you a notification that somebody wrote you. And you can actually preset questions like send us your phone number and email. And that way, even if you don't get back with them at a the specific time, you have captured user data that you can follow up with. Right, for sure. All right, last question here. Is it worth it? to have analytics installed. Man, this is a must. If you all know data, it's very valuable to corporate, to enterprise. It should be valuable to your small business. Even if you're not using that data at the moment, a year down the line, two years down the line, you can see uh, if you have analytics installed, you can capitalize on that data looking back to whenever you installed it. So we never build any website without analytics. It's a total must. I highly emphasize, do not, please do not just build a website without analytics you're missing out on a huge opportunity to get insights on your customers. I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make when I talk to them and I kind of consult about their website is you might have a really lovely, beautiful website, everything works, and then there's no analytics installed. And, you know, my conversation is typically like, oh, you know, what's the benefit? What's the power of online marketing? And it is the data you're able to collect. It is what you're able to do, you know? The power of marketing online is that with a mailer, you know, you don't really know how many people even got the mailer. You don't know how many people actually walked to the mailbox. But if you're online, you can see exactly how many people visited your website. You can see what route they took to get there. You can really leverage this data to improve what you're doing. So always, always, always install the appropriate tracking tools on your website so that you can learn. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is growth. This is how you get better by making sure you have those analytics tools installed. Yes, yes. And uh, over a period of four or five years, the data that you can collect to make business decisions, it can it can be really amazing. You said something really interesting there, which is to improve business decisions. And I think it's important that we clarify that's all we want to do. All the data is doing is helping you improve business decisions. You're not gathering PI, you know, you're not trying to start blackmailing any of your users or anything like that. Uh, all you want to do is help to improve your business decisions. Yes, yes. One little example is you get to find out what keywords people are typing to get to your website. Mm -hmm. And you may find out that they're typing the name of your business or a service, or maybe they're just asking a question on Google and your website is popping up. You may or may not know this, but this really helps developing digital marketing strategies and it might even help you increase your business processes. Absolutely. All right, that is the end of our Q&A. So we're just gonna do our sign off here. Something we always do here on Transmission is talk a little bit about what pop culture we've engaged with, You know, what's been meaningful to our lives and what's gotten us thinking about marketing over the last couple of weeks. Juan Pablo, why don't you start? Yes, so right now I'm currently reading a book by Michael Port. It's called Steal the Show. I actually went to a seminar 
by Michael Port. He's a previous actor who was on, on Law and Order. He was a Hollywood actor, but now he teaches people about public speaking and presenting. This book has been really insightful on how to use what actors have developed to steal the show, but sure. bringing it to if you're a nonprofit leader, if you're in business sales, or you're actually doing public speaking presentations, different tactics and insights on how to literally steal the show but not in a way that you steal the show from everybody else it's more about really delivering something that's impactful to the audience that makes them want to do more business with you invite you back and have a transformative experience for both the audience and the speaker that's really interesting i not something i've thought a lot about just how many commonalities there are between what a good performer a good actor does and just what a, an effective communicator does right like you need to be able to effectively communicate ideas but effective communication is not just about what you say it's about whether or not people are listening and i think that that's really like what you're saying is like this guy helps you better understand how to make sure your message is engaging and so you're actually communicating because you've gotten people to listen yeah, he emphasizes that, yeah, if you're good enough by just coming off the hip and just winging it, if you really put some of these tips into practice, you can actually have a standing ovation for the performances in your life. He even talks about your wedding toast or if your daughter's getting married or a family member, mm -hmm. like you can wing it and it might be okay, but if you really put thought rehearsal and practice behind this, you can really have a captivating, unforgettable experience for those in the audience. And for some, once you start doing that, it's kind of very motivating to, yeah. to touch the hearts of the people just through speeches. That's really cool. Excited to hear what you think of it when you are totally through with it. I have a book this week as well. I finished reading Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut right after we recorded our last pod, actually. And it's just kind of been on the mind. I've been thinking a lot about it, in particular, in how I think it created a sort of language with which a lot of people write today. There's a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of detachment, and like kind of this dark irony, almost like a Hedbergian sense of this is a thing that happens every day and we treat it this way, but how dumb it is that we do that, I guess. It has a really dark sense of humor, but I think that that's kind of infected a lot of modern writing. And I see a lot of influence just in our, our modern pop culture and the how, honestly, and how people communicate on the internet. Nothing matters, but everything matters, kind of a, a style, which I kind of read a lot of in that book. And so just something I've been thinking about in particular, how important pieces of art really do affect what comes afterwards. It's really interesting to me to read famous authors across time and see how writing styles have evolved and changed and like the lineage of, oh, you can very clearly see here that Slaughterhouse-Five or Vonnegut influenced my generation of authors, right? Or maybe even the generation right before me and how they're writing and how they're communicating. So much of that style you can see right there in his book. And that to me is really interesting. Uh, just how language and how we use language and how we use language to interact with our peers in the world can change and can be influenced by important pieces of art. Yeah, so that sounds like an interesting book. I'm going to have to check it out, definitely. I think you'll like it. It's definitely interesting. Not for everybody, not for kids. You know, it's an adult book, to be sure. The subject matter is really interesting. 
And one thing I found kind of interesting is he was very on to the idea of what PTSD was before it was something that we defined within society. You know, he really understood what it was without ever calling it by its name. And so it makes for a really interesting kind of historical document about what people knew and understood and thought of just emotional trauma in life. And I know trauma is kind of a buzzword right now, but the book itself is interesting. Trauma is a big part of, of Slaughterhouse-Five and how you deal with it emotionally is a big part of what he has to say and what he's thinking about. So it's pretty cool. I did read that uh, Kurt Vonnegut was a uh, World War II veteran and he used some of these experiences that he went through. Yeah, so the, the book itself is actually, I guess he was a prisoner of war in Dresden, Germany when Dresden was firebombed by the Allies. And so Slaughterhouse-Five is his attempt at telling the story of that experience. The very first chapter is told directly from his point of view, and he's very clear about it. He's basically like, it took me 20 years to write this because I didn't know what to say. It's not a story, it's a tragedy. It like- His it, penmanship, man. He yeah, brings the penmanship into yeah, it. Yeah, he does. He's really, really, <laughs> he's really cool. It's a really cool piece of art and like a really interesting kind of rumination on his experiences with war. So a fascinating read for sure. Really had a lot of fun today in today's episode. We hope you, the audience, enjoy it and can capture value from today's episode and from the rest of our podcast. Absolutely, man. And with that, please like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify. If you want to hear more tips and tricks on how to build a better website, please feel free to reach out to us at alphacomarketing.com. We have a lot of calls to action and a great contact us page there. So you should easily be able to find us and communicate us. We'd love to hear from you. This has been Graham and Juan Pablo in Transmission.